Hello, and welcome to episode four of The Check Drop. Today's guest, comedian Chad Daniels. Chad has countless late night television shows under his belt, and he can be seen on Amazon Prime's I Need You to Kill, featuring comedians Pete Lee and Tom Segura. Give a listen. People say there's an illegal immigration problem in this country. I will tell you, I don't have any of the answers. I also will tell you that we're full. <laughs> right? Because people get to live here and not do anything just because their parents fucked in Nebraska. <laughs> right? If you're born here, you just get to live here and not do anything. You can just be a piece of shit and yell stuff like, Sandwich! You can just do that. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to, but you can. Because you were born here. But there are people that were born somewhere else that are way better and speak eight languages and English is their eighth language and they can say sandwich. But they don't get to come here because we're full. I think we should let those people come here, look around for a week and then challenge someone to their citizenship. I think that would be awesome. We would have an all-star country. Are you kidding me? Please welcome Chad Daniels. Hey, hi, how are you? I just want to let everyone know I'm eight years older from that clip. So keep it to yourself about the aging. It's still timeless, though, isn't it? Oh, oh, yeah. Talking about that. Yeah. I mean, it seems like something that's never going to go away. So I thought it would be pretty evergreen. Right. Absolutely. I mean, when I interview you in another eight years, it's still going to be relevant. Show that clip. My beard will be even grayer. Yeah, you and my both here. Yeah, unrecognizable I will be, but that's okay. Those are called strands of wisdom with all the white in there, right? You would think. Yeah, well, you, you have a lot of wisdom. Think. You have a lot of comedy wisdom. Uh, maybe I have a lot of dumb comedy stories. Well, I feel like I feel like some of these are uh, beers and not wisdom, but <laughs> well, well, that, kind of that, hand that, in hand, I think. Yeah, so. I suppose. So uh, where are you? You look like you're 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 in some kind of cabin. I am. Somewhere. Yeah, I'm at uh, about a lake cabin last September. So, um, you know, talking about the quarantine and stuff, it has been awesome to be out here. Financially, not my best move uh, while not working for four months. But um, no, it's everything's great. It's so peaceful, and it's it's. Uh, I mean, can, you mind if I turn my you my camera around here. Camera I don't want to give us a tour. Hey, you're, the first, sick, you're the first person that's given us a tour. Oh shit, that's a nice place. There's my lake. Or I mean, it's not my lake, but I was but like, man, it. you went all in. Yeah, I bought, <laughs> you bought, I bought a lake. An entire lake. <laughs> so yeah, you're like, been, I gotta go tell some jokes quick. Absolutely. <laughs> Your lake yeah, payments my, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So what have you been doing to kill your time uh, during this time? You haven't performed stand up, or have you? I have not. Yeah. I, at the Good. Zoom shows and everything, I admire everyone that can do those. I just know that that is not in my wheelhouse. So okay. um, I have backed off from those and just kind of let everyone else that's good at it, you know, just we need those people out there reminding people comedy is still a thing. So when it comes back, guys like me who are too weak minded to do a Zoom show can go live and do a live show. Understandable. Yeah. Now, you said you backed off. Did you do any of those? I, I never did just because I knew to me, it felt like um, holding on too tightly to something I loved. You know, it's like it's a version of the thing I fell in love with when I was a kid. So uh, I didn't want to uh, I just didn't want to do it. I 100 percent agree with you because I held out for how how many months are we in? Three months? Yeah, <laughs> I held out sure, for I for I guess three months and a week until last week. I I, I just had to put my tail between my legs and say, yeah, this isn't going away. And if I want to make money as a comedy agent, Hey, it, we need to start booking this. So, sure. And yeah, so I value both sides. I mean, I understand if you need to work and pay the bills. And- oh no, absolutely. You have people that went out maybe a month ago to do live shows and they were taking some heat because, you know, everyone's like, what are you doing? You're going to spread the virus and stuff. I, I I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I know that I have uh, loved spending. I have a 16 year old daughter, a 20 year old son, and I was forced to stay home and school was no longer in session. So I've had all this time with my kids and it has been so fantastic. And, you know, it's like people are getting sick and I understand there's this huge thing going on. But the positive for me, the silver lining is I got to stay home and I got to spend all this time that was unexpected with my family and it's been fantastic. 
Right. I feel the same way. I've I got a son that just graduated high school and, sure. and Grandy has had a really crappy senior year. But, you know, trying to make the lemonade, you know, out of the COVID lemons. And, and I think we were, we're doing a pretty good job of that. And just just like that, we've got to spend so much more time together and nobody's fighting. And oh, that's nobody, great. Nobody hates each other yet. So it's all good. Everybody has now learned to go in their separate ways in the house. And yep. Yeah, just uh, to get away and spend and some alone it, time. Absolutely, yeah, make it work. So. I heard a uh, I heard a senior. I was waiting in line at an ice cream place, and this girl was just like that, 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 complaining about how her life was completely ruined. And I just said, "Oh, did you get drafted for World War II? <laughs> oh, you didn't. So this isn't the worst eighteen-year-old thing that can happen." Okay, yeah, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> little small issue that she has to deal with. Right. Yes. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> no, but I, but I do get it because it is like probably the biggest thing that was going to happen in their life was their graduation and that gets taken from them in their senior year, especially fall, uh, winter and fall, excuse me, winter and spring sports got canceled. So I do understand that for those seniors, it was difficult. Yeah. My uh, son made the golf team and I think the first match, he wasn't playing in that match, but he was just on the golf course and that's when they let them know. Oh, by the way, this oh, is no longer man. happening. What what you just signed up for is no longer happening. So well, I made the team. Did I let her? <laughs> yeah. That's what right. I want to know. Did I let so, her for making the team? Ironically, a week before uh, all that, we had ordered uh, their personalized golf bags with, yeah. with the you know their logo and such. Sure. And and of course, I just picked it up like three weeks ago. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right, good luck with that, son. Yeah, my daughter, my daughter's a sophomore and she was like, oh, school got canceled and it's such a bummer. And I was like, this is the year no one cares about. So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> right. Like, what do you do as a sophomore? Nothing. You have right. junior the hardest year. Senior, you get to goof off. So you're in the sweet spot for having to do this from home. Just right. build, keep that 4.0 and then you get to screw off your whole senior year. Now, with your daughter being in school, did she like the virtual learning or I don't know if she liked it, but she stayed on top of it. And I actually, it was, it was fun because I have a buddy that I golf with that happens to be her history teacher. And so I would listen to his lectures with her as just a reminder. I have forgotten so much since school that it was kind of awesome. A little refresher course. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had one time where I was helping her with her math and she was trying to figure out the, um, uh, the area of a, a prism, a 3D prism. And so it said that this is 10 meters and we thought it was one of the sides of the prism like this, one of the angled sides. And it was actually one of the sides of the, the thing that goes right across the half of it. And so we tried and tried and tried. I called my buddy who has a master's uh, in a bunch of different mathematics stuff. He got the same answer we did. And so I saw her, uh, her math teacher and he goes, hey, how's it going? And I go, well, not great. Right. Immediately, I just go off the hinges because that's what I do. Ah, I'm not great. This thing sucks. The number 15 and how dare you and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, yeah, you got the the 10 meters was for this and not this. And then I just went. <laughs> I'm surprised you had at least attempted to. Oh, I to love learn. doing that stuff. I love yeah. hanging out and doing homework. Yeah, I uh, I kind of never got into that. I let my wife handle that. She's a school teacher. So I just oh, kind of sure. out of the gate. I was I had a free pass like. Hey, you're in charge of that. I'm in charge of making sure all these bills get paid and such. So, yeah, well, I mean, when you when you make a uh, when you make a decision to get a divorce, you commit to a lot of stuff with your kids. So it's like, all right, I'm in. I'll do whatever boxes. you need. Yep, you have contracts. Uh huh. So, and how's your son doing? He's 20. So he's he's, he's out good. in the workforce. He is. He's just started a, a job at a. Uh, Minnesota Motor, it's called. It's a Chevrolet dealership in town, and he's taking care of the online stuff. Oh, nice. Like yep. the, the website and such? Or, uh, website or... and online sales. And he also, um, you know, like you buy a car, two weeks later, he'll be like, hey, this is Isaac, and just checking in on you. See if you right. need anything. That kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know if he sounds like that when he calls. Uh, but That was my question. I was like, is that, <laughs> I don't even know if that's a good impression of your son or not. Oh, it's a horrible impression. <laughs> It's a great impression of like a morning DJ. Hey, everybody, how's your car doing? Well, you're uh, pretty well known for bringing your kids and your family into your act. Um, sure. Has, do you feel that that's uh, kind of helped propel you to the status you are now? Or was, I mean, that, was that conditioned? Uh, I don't 
I don't know. I mean, I guess when I try things now that aren't about my kids, I will have people come up to me afterwards and be like, well, you should have should have talked about your kids more. <laughs> so I do think I think people will kind of, you know, they, they it's strange because I will have older people tell me, um, hey, I had kids your age. Love, love the comedy about them. I have younger parents say, we love how you parented. We're going to try to parent like that. And I've had 18 year olds come up to me and just go, I wish you were my dad. It's the craziest <laughs> mix of fan. It's just unbelievable. Do you find that it's a little weird that some of these children are listening to your material that may be underage? Oh, yeah, because I've had some people, you know, they go, I've been listening to you since I was in sixth grade. And number one, that makes me feel super old. And number two, it's like, I, I know what I was saying. Right. We're listening. I know it's not beeped. <laughs> well, I one of your specials, I don't think it was your latest one. I think it was Footprints on the Moon, maybe, where you had a fan in the audience and he was, uh, I think it was 15. Oh, yeah, he was young. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, but you let him and you kind of I just had listened to it. And you kind of said, this is the point of the show where my fan has to leave or whatever. Yes. And I was like, and the whole time I was thinking, wait, he's been here this whole time. And but then yeah. you would go, you went one more level ahead. Like, that's where I, you drew the line right. that like, yes. hey, let's get this 15 year old kid out of the show. Yes. When I don't have a problem with real life stuff, because kids have the Internet, they have everything. So they are basically thrown into real life at a very young age now there's really no protecting a kid with all the stuff that they have on their phone but i'm not going to be a creep that you know talks about sexual stuff when there's a, a minor in the room i just that's where that's where i draw the line for sure right yeah that makes sense i understand that so uh speaking of that pivoting uh, what do you think about the whole chris D'Elia thing I don't know much about it. Do you, do, you, yeah. say, do you keep up with the other comedians in the news and such? Not really. I mean, you know, I, I heard what happened. I saw the clip of him on a, a podcast that was going around when he realized that you can record Snapchat conversations. That was pretty looked, funny. He looks pretty terrified. And <laughs> I don't know, Chris. I have friends that have promoted his specials. Um, and I, I respect their uh, their choice in comedy. I've never really even watched him do stand up and I'm not not me digging on him. It's just I don't watch a ton of stand up. So sure. um it's a bummer, you know? It's a bummer that uh sometimes people make bad decisions and and now if you make one, it's like it's swift. It's very swift. It is, yeah. It's I mean, just it's, like off with his head. Right. I saw his uh, agency let him go and everybody just, you know, jump ship all his friends and and quiet. Yeah, I get it. But if well, I mean, and you're talking to a guy with a 16 year old daughter. But I've, you know, she also knows that if I ever I get to check her phone whenever I want, that's part of the deal. And if I ever saw any sort of conversation, and I, I look at her followers, I look at who she follows, all that stuff, if I even saw anything that was remotely like that, she would not have a phone until her 40th birthday. So and that's the same with my son. That's the same with my son, just so everyone's clear. Really? I checked his phone as well. Like just now sure. or just when he was 18 or less or something? Uh, well, he's going to be 21 on the 19th. So now it's like um, I check his phone not as often. But if he makes a joke about like one of his sister's friends, because it gets under her skin so much. Okay. But if she, he makes a joke about it, I'll grab his phone and just make sure it's a joke. Do you feel like you can still do that because you're paying for that phone? Or... Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's under my so, name. Absolutely. So has he come to that point where like, Hey, I got to get my own phone. I don't know like that. that he ever will. And that's fine. I'll check his phone until he's 90. <laughs> I will actually, in my will. He's on his I'm gonna, iPhone 28. I'm going to have a phone checker that I announce at my will reading that says that person gets to check your phone and take it away from you. He's like, oh, dad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I have a couple of questions here that are already popping up. Uh, sure. Uh, comedian Mark Handler, uh, how often do you retire material because of current events? How often do you write new material that risks not being evergreen because of current events? Um, I retire material after it's out on an album. So when you record an album, you have a that little bit of a grace period where the album isn't out yet but you've already recorded it. So I can still use the closer. I can still use 
jokes if my new stuff isn't going well i can still draw from that album but once the album comes out i try my hardest to retire all of that material because i think when you're going to a music event you want to hear the songs you know right like uh i went um why can't i think of the name now oh my god who sings blister in the sun uh, violent Femmes. so i went to a violent Femmes concert thank you in milwaukee and they didn't play blister in the sun and i thought they were going to all be murdered by the crowd <laughs> right and they actually went back up and played it they didn't want to but they did it begrudgingly and uh and with comedy i think it's different people hear the joke i don't know how much they want to see it again live unless they bring people but it's it's kind of a weird line with that stuff so i try my hardest to have new stuff every time i go back to a city. Um, as far as current event stuff, I don't write a ton on current events unless I, like the clip that where you introduced me about the, um, the immigration reform, unless I know it's going to be around forever and ever, then I will, then I will talk about it. But I, you know, I don't use like specific presidents or anything like that. At least I try not to. Do you have any material that you still pull out of the bag from say 10 15 years ago well here's the problem that you normally go to like i would i would love to i don't remember it i had my friend uh fritz nothnagel very funny comedian from chicago and he started to tell me this joke and i go oh that's funny is that are you going to use that you should definitely write it down he goes that's your bit and then i felt like an ass for saying it was funny because then that's just weird but um so i don't really remember a lot of stuff people will yell out jokes one time i was in philadelphia and these uh, somebody yelled out, "Do this joke!" And I go, "Honestly, I remember the story, like I, because it's a real story. So I remember the actual story, but I don't remember all where the the beats and the timing goes with this." And some guy goes, "I do," and I was like, "Okay, come up here and you do it." No, he didn't. Yep. So I went and sat in his spot by his friends, and I actually drank his beer. And he, That's this awesome. is of course pre-COVID, pre-COVID when you could do that yeah. kind of stuff. And uh, he's up on stage telling my joke. And I thought it was all, it was the easiest set of my life. I should have people do that all the time. That's crazy. It was really <laughs> just, fun. Though. Just trying to visualize that. Uh, is that why uh, you didn't do my request uh, when you did my brewery gig? <laughs> oh, yeah, I have a hard time. <laughs> or, or just that was might have been too many cocktails in the green room, too. Yeah, that could have been. I mean, you spe- it was, it was a, Kevin Bozeman. So, right. I mean, so that was Kevin Bozeman's been a great friend of mine forever. And uh, he actually co-hosted the last two uh, Middle of Somewhere podcasts that I oh, do. Nice. And so um, we talked about some drinking stories. And yeah, when when you asked us what we wanted and we showed up and there was our own bottle in the green room, we just were like, uh-oh. <laughs> I got in trouble for that too, by the way. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, because it's a brewery and they don't have uh, ABC, um, I guess, regulations. Or they, oh, they couldn't bring in liquor. So I and see. I get, and I guess we left the empties and I got, I got a wrist slap. It's okay. Well, you probably didn't think there were going to be empties because you had us full bottles of booze at the thing. <laughs> right. So, uh, so your first uh, stand-up is coming up soon. When the next couple weeks, I saw on your website. Yeah, I'm going to be um, starting July 21st, going through July 25th. I'll be in St. Louis, Indianapolis, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Columbus, Ohio. So, I think you know everyone's talking about September this thing coming back in a huge wave and like a third wave. Um, and I, so I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that gets canceled and I do miss comedy a lot and the regulations I've never had a rider in my life. Cause I think it's really stupid. Um, like I've actually yelled at people if there is a rider just if, because if I, you're listening or watching a writer is a, a I guess a, a rules and outlines of what the artist needs backstage or during the right, show. Right. So you could, it could be a coffee maker, certain kinds of pods, anything. The famous green, green M&Ms that Van right, Halen yeah. had put in the writer. Right. And, yeah. And a little fun fact about the green M&Ms, they weren't being divas. They just wanted to make sure that you were paying attention. So if you would miss something that small, you would probably miss oh. all the shit that they really wanted you to take care of. Sure. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't even, I've heard the green M&Ms, but I never knew it was Van Halen. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so my rider is just, I need a couple box fans on stage blowing out. Everyone has to be masked. Uh, Tables have to be, I mean, it's basically the guidelines that everyone's using, but I do know that some people try to skip to get an extra 20 people in or whatever. So these clubs have been absolutely fantastic to work with. And uh, if it makes me sound like a diva, I don't care. I want, I I don't want to be, I've said this a million times. 
I don't want to be a link in the chain that kills your grandpa. I have no interest in that. So Absolutely. if everybody just follows the rules, it'll be fantastic. I mean, I think yeah, it could because be a we're lot all, of fun. all dealing with new rules. I mean, this is right. like you mentioned going out in the crowd and drinking the dude's beer. I right. mean, I watch TV and I watch somebody shaking somebody's hand and that just seems so foreign to me now. So oh, I know we, that's what we say at my house all the time. Anytime there's any sort of airline travel or a big crowd or a hug, we're like, Oh, remember that? That's right. all we you say to each other. Remember the that? Good old days. Yeah. Remember we can hug somebody. Yep. Yeah. So are you worried at all going back? I am a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I have, two test kits. So one is before I go and then I have to quarantine after that whenever I get the results um, or whenever I take it, excuse me. So I have to time it. It's about two days. And then when I get back, I have another test to take. So I just want to make sure, you know, I don't want to bring it to my community, my house. My son has asthma. So that's pre-existing condition that people worry about. And uh, I'm clinically obese for crap sakes. If you look at the doctor's chart from the 1970s when medium shirts were extra smalls now, but uh, have you ever gone into a thrift store and picked up a shirt that's your size from the 70s? You can't even get it on. It's unbelievable. They have just made the shirts bigger and left the same tag on. Right. So the medium is not the large, large. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, So, uh, so, you know, I just, yeah, I just, I, again, I understand, you know, everyone goes, well, everybody's got to get it. I get that but it doesn't have to be at my show. Right. We don't all need to get it at that show. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, you don't want to carry that baggage. If somebody right. you know, said, we got it from this comedy club, from some comic that was there, and then you right. go back and check, and like, ah, man. And you just yeah. want to be able to trace it. I mean, I think that's these countries that are having success, and not to get too political here, but the countries that are having success, they have great tracing programs, and... Uh, I think that's that's the key to this whole thing is being able to test and then also trace. Yeah. So um, we'll see. Where do you see the end of this? Like, uh, what, what do you see the as far as the comedy world? How is this going to change uh, long term? You think it's going to come back in full force when it's mean, gone, or do you? Think I hope so. Because comedy I, I has always been kind of on the edge, where maybe ten percent of most people would go to a comedy club, if that. I mean, that sure. 10% might be high. I mean, we've both been in this business. How long are you? When did you start doing stand-up? Uh, May 4th, 1998. Okay. Yeah. I started Summit at uh, June 98. So, okay. Do- and I was with another agency for a little bit before that. So, sure. yeah. I mean, so it's always kind of, you know, it's easy to sell comedy for bigger names and such. But right. if you're at a Chuckle Hut, whatever it's it's yep. a little bit harder so i didn't want this to create more heartaches and an uphill battle for all well, of us yeah i mean small businesses are are taking a shot there's no doubt about that i mean i consider myself a small business you're a small business and um it's rough i think masks are probably part of our future going forward i mean if you don't have antibody i mean i think they're probably going to have to have a little id card that says that's going to be the new fake ID is that I have antibodies or whatever. But uh, so who knows? There's, I, a, there's a comedian that emailed me today that he had COVID and he got tested for the antibodies and he's positive. So he's he's good. He's, he can't. I guess they've officially cleared him for six months that you can't get it. And, holy crap. OK. But now how do you he's promoting that in an email and just letting us know probably for safety concerns. Sure. But I also look at it like I. What are you going to do? Are you going to wear a t-shirt? Like, do you still have to go out and wear a mask? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, no. he's like, yeah, I will have to go wear a mask just because everybody will like punch me in a, in a, in a Walmart or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, uh, if I don't, and I was like, well, what about making like a t-shirt or something that says you know, you're COVID free for 2020. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You just see people with syringes in him trying to get the antibodies out. Yeah. That's a dangerous one too. So right. who knows? Yeah. This, yeah. This thing is going to be, Unfortunately, I think it's going to be a long, a long uh, climb uphill. But right, and that's why I did had to pivot and go. Okay, uh, sure. I guess I'll book some virtual comedy. Yeah, but there is the need. So although the need is has been, especially we, you know, I do a lot of colleges, and 
and the colleges are all going back in session starting in like six weeks. So, Oh, I didn't know that either. oh yeah, well, not all of them. Uh, there is a big group. My son's college, he's going to school. I think they're trying to get them in at least, Sure. and then they will pivot later if need be. Okay. And that's strictly from a business point of view, I think, because they need the money to stay afloat. Just, I mean, they're, Yeah. they're not a small business, but they are a business. If they don't have people going to school, they're going to lose money. They're going to close. Right. So Yeah, that's well, that's a business I never got into, so <laughs> there's always <laughs> hope. You can still go back. I might have to. <laughs> well, you can take uh, Kevin Bozeman's comedy class. <laughs> Yeah, but that'll be useless. A useless degree at this point. <laughs> have you ever did when you got started did you ever take any comedy classes or did you just go all in just doing the open mics Yeah, I so I did an open mic and then I did two weeks of it. And then after that, I just hung out at the comedy club on open mic night. I would, you know, sit near a table. It was almost like COVID rules for me back then. I would sit about six feet from a table and just listen to what they would talk about. listen to how they approach topics. And I would watch, watch, watch. And I would really think about every step everybody took for a joke. So, I mean, if you think about it, it's a little bit of a class like that, right? But I never took a proper class where you went in and there was, you know, some comedian on the decline telling you how to write a joke or whatever, however those classes go. Yeah. Do you frown upon comedians that take those classes? No, I don't think so. I just like taking little digs about it. That's all. <laughs> Because no, <laughs> you I, are a I, comedian. yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, people need to do what they need to do. I'm not, if it, you know, doesn't work for me, doesn't mean I'm going to crap on you because you think it's going to work for you. Everybody has to kind of find their own way in, in stand up. And it takes a long, long time to figure it out. Right. And I think uh, what's the 10 year rule? Like once you're in for 10 years, you're, Sure. you're a comedian. I mean, Yep. so, I mean, Yeah, they was stopped that about, that about. was that They, about that time for you? Like 10 years? it maybe took me longer. I don't know. I mean, everyone talks about finding your voice Yeah. to where if someone hears someone doing one of your jokes, they can go, oh, that sounds like a, a Chad Daniels joke. Or that sounds like a Kevin Bozeman joke. So, um, so yeah, it, it probably took me more than 10 years. I was just trying to get by and learn as much as I could, uh, not really thinking about the voice. And then I think one day it just kind of, I heard someone come up and go, hey, um, your cadence is this and this. And I go, no idea. I didn't plan it. I guess that's just how I talk. Right. So. I can uh, see that, though, because I, I think you do have your voice. I think you do have a certain cadence. And I can I can as, as somebody who watches a lot of comedy of people submitting to me, I I can hear inflections in people's voice like, oh, that sounds like Regan. This sounds like Chad Sure. or whatever. So Sure. I think that's a great compliment if somebody does that to you, unless Oh, they say, I think so, too. yeah, unless they say, hey, that sounds like uh, <laughs> Chad Daniels. And you're like, oh, wait, because he stole that joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, you know, sometimes someone will send me a screenshot from Reddit and they're like, hey, this guy stole your joke. And it's like, well, he's probably got some stuff going on. Let him have it. I don't I, I don't even remember it anyways, probably. Right. Uh, like comedians are just ran random people online. Mostly random. I mean, they might be up and coming comedians. I don't like I said, I don't watch a ton of comedy and um, I'm kind of removed from it when I'm not working. So um, but but, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, not to sound like an ass, but I think it's adorable. People want to use your material to try to get attention online. OK, that's fine. Well, would you call out a comedian if he was purposely stealing your material? I think, man, Or would in you this. let the just the comedians Yes. themselves? In this Because day and age, you don't have to say anything to anybody. Everyone will go after a person if they figure it out. So, right, yeah. you just sit back, and go, mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> now, do you have uh, that was a callback to one of your your bits, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the uh, the the black woman you dated, the shark. yeah, the Jaws Do you bit. yeah? Do you remember that? You did it on TV. I don't know if you Yeah, remember. I remember. Yeah, I got heckled when I did it on Conan. I remember that. What? I got heckled about, I can't remember. I just know that I got heckled and it was really fun to be able to break the script and Did respond you pull to a off heckler script? on television. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Oh, okay. It, well, from what I remember, it was seamless. It didn't throw you off. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. I mean, but Conan, that's kind of, um, 
they just they make an environment there that's so welcoming for comedy and kind of weird wacky comedy that if you do go off script nobody gets mad at you they don't blacklist you you're just kind of you you get to do what you want to do and i think that's um really says a lot about conan and his crew and everybody that works there that that they want something like that because not any other show is not going to get that because there's so many guidelines so i always felt with conan um Conan and Letterman did it did it right. I always mm-hmm. felt like with uh, with their stand ups because it was it was uh, the production was nice. You could hear sure. the audience laughing. Yep. Because there's some that you could not hear the audience laughing, and and how somebody didn't didn't figure that out through like after the first one is like the sound up. Yeah. Yeah, we should mic these people more. This is kind of how this works. This comedy is. You know, it's contagious. Laughter is contagious. So, yeah, I always felt that uh, those two were the best at it. And, yeah, I mean, did you you never did Letterman, though, right? I never did, huh? No. Did, did you try? I never submitted. This is like one of these weird stories where I used to stay up and watch Letterman all the time. When I went to pick up a buddy from his uh, freshman year of college out in Hartford, Connecticut, stopped in New York City, went to Letterman waited in line from four in the morning to get the extra seats or whatever. And uh, I just, I think I was too scared to get turned down. Really? I think that's what it was because, you know, it was such an important part of um, my life that I I do feel like I just was too nervous to do it. Even uh, 10 years into it? Or was he already off then? Yeah, he was. I can't remember exactly when he got off air, but I do remember it being like a pretty big regret of mine for not trying. Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe he'll come back one day. And Hey, that's okay. I mean, my, listen, my career has been an odd one anyways. So it's been, <laughs> I've gotten to do things that I never thought I'd be able to do that I never even knew were a, a, to dream about. So it's, right. yeah, yeah, it's well, it, it, it equals itself out. Yeah, I feel like you're doing really well, and especially the last couple of years, I think people are starting to notice you a lot more. And you know, I've known you for a long time, and and I see see people go, oh, even some of my friends, oh, Chad Dane is my favorite comic. I'm like, really? Okay, all right. Oh, it's that's like, that's great. Yeah, it's awesome, and I'm, I'm proud of you. And you know, and it's you know, it's great that I've gotten to work with you so many years. Um, so you mentioned so many great things in your career. Like, what is the next thing for you? Like, what what could happen next? Or, or down the road that you're like, that's the zenith. If, if I don't do anything else, I'm sure. there. Or I have you already done it? Um, well, I think I was in the process of doing it uh, when COVID hit. I mean, like you said, the last couple of years have been good. I think Footprints on the Moon, that album was uh, kind of a momentum shift for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Pandora was very, very good to me. They plugged me into a lot of algorithms there. So a lot of people were hearing me and I remember I went on stage in Spokane once um, and people started yelling out bits right when I got on stage and I was like, what in the hell is going on? Cause that had never happened before. And I thought, Oh, this is, this is fun. This is great. I mean, it was, was it so- pretty soon after you had the release or it was probably six months after maybe. Okay. Um, and, and, and it was just, it was really, really incredible and a great feeling of course. And then I started noticing it at other clubs and, and more clubs after that. And I thought, okay, so I'm selling tickets. This is great. So the Zenith for me is just people coming out, um, having to add shows and they come to see you, which is, it is an advantage, right? Because they know what they're getting into. They already listen to your stuff and they must like it because they bought a ticket. So, I mean, that's, that's when it's really, really fun is getting to, um, see new people coming out. Like every time I go to Portland, there's a whole new crew that comes out and is like, oh, you know, my friend told me about you last time you were here and blah, blah, blah. So you just see this little grassroots thing start to take form. And uh, and that's been really exciting. And to me, that's what I, that's all I've ever wanted is just for people to come out to the shows because they're more fun when they're full. Yeah. I mean, I've done so many rooms that were half empty and, you know, all those people got free tickets. They had and no the idea what they were coming out, to see. The fact that they're coming out to see you specifically—that's the—that's yeah. The, that makes it more the fun. Icing on the cake. It makes you feel like a real. At least, excuse me. It makes me feel like a real comedian. So, um, so and that's all I really wanted. I've loved comedy, like I said, for so long that uh, that the, it was really fun getting to do that. 
And with them knowing you, Matilda, you probably walk a lot less few people. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> yes. Like they know what they're getting into. Absolutely. And now since it's COVID, it's all these comedy clubs are half cap. So now it's great. Now you're selling out rooms. It feels amazing. Now with the sellout now with the 50%, um, do you, how is that working? Are you just jacking up your price to offset that? Or do you have to lower your fee to come in? Well, yeah, it all has to do with percentages. And so obviously, if you're taking a percentage of the door and only half the people can come in, I mean, you're going to lose that money. Um, I have I'm doing uh, something a little different in just Fort Wayne this run because it's a little rock club where I did up the prices. I don't know if I jack them up, but I did up them a little bit. And then you get a a free piece of merch because there's no meet and greet just because of what's going on. And so you get to leave with a free piece of merch and you don't have to worry about standing in line or waiting. They're just right when you walk in, you get it done deal. And um, so we're going to see how that goes. Now, for the people that uh, have enjoyed meet and greets over the years um, and now not being able to do this, I mean, I think this is a, a blessing for the people that just hate talking to people afterwards. So yeah. due to COVID-19, That's I will not be shaking any hands. And but I love it. Yeah. I've always had so much fun because my philosophy was, I always try to think in terms of my life, right? So if my mom went to see someone that she wanted to see, paid her hard-earned money to go see that person, and then they just like bailed after the show, I don't know. I I wouldn't think that was cool. So I love hanging out after and saying hi and shaking hands, but just need to be careful right now, and hopefully we get back to a place where we can do that stuff. Right. I mean, how do you see music going? I mean, the the large venues for – I mean – do you think that's ever going to come back? Anytime? Well, I think it has to be. I mean, you know, I think there eventually will be a vaccine. And then when there is, I feel like we'll be able to do stuff like that. But it's like I said, who knows when I when it comes to epidemiology, I know absolutely zero. And I just try to listen to the people that have a bunch of letters after their name. Right. And that's it. Yeah, I <laughs> I tend to concur with that aspect. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Uh, going down my list of questions here. Uh, what comedians make you laugh? Like who's up and coming that you feel that you need to give them a spotlight? And I've actually brought comedians onto my roster because of you. Um, um, Brian Morris was one of them. And you said, sure, hey, yeah, he's so funny. check out this kid. He's great. Yeah. And, and immediately I just started Googling and watching just because I trust you and your um your thoughts oh well thanks uh there, there are just so many that i don't even know where to start but um david huntsberger is always a favorite of mine he's just his the way he thinks is so incredible and the way he words his jokes i just find it fascinating i can listen to him forever um chris fairbanks makes me laugh till i pee my pants he's got a new special out right now if you want to search that um jim twos is a new york guy originally from cleveland uh, he's very funny. I love working with him. Uh, Brendan Ayer is absolutely terrific. There's just, I, I could go on and on and on and on and on. And, you know, you have Bozeman on. Bozeman, again, I could watch him do headlining sets nonstop. I, th- I just think he's so dang funny. And his last, um, his last album, Two Parent Love, I thought was just like absolutely perfect. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. His football uh, bit uh, is just amazing. <laughs> you have to go out and listen if you're uh, listening to the podcast later. But uh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. Kevin has embraced the uh, virtual comedy. He said he's all in. Yeah, so. yeah. He he told me that he was doing uh, he was doing like private shows for companies during the day, and making some decent coin doing it. So good for him. But like I said, you know, if I'm in a if I'm in a comedy club and people aren't laughing, you've seen me. I freak out for like five minutes. So I can't even fathom doing a show where I don't get to see the people. I would lose my mind. I, uh, you just made me think of uh, the time that we had you at a NACA conference. And they, if you don't know Chad, Chad's material is a little bit edgy. Um, I guess that's, that's a good way of saying that, right? A little edgy. Mm-hmm. Makes you think. And it's, it's definitely not Seinfeld, I guess, as far as the, the clean. You're, we're not doing a bunch of corporate gigs, I guess. That's true. I'm not doing a bunch of corporate so, um, um You showcased for us at a NACA conference, and and they were looking at you like you had three heads, and like who is this uh-huh. guy? And maybe I think it was during the day, and it was just one of those weird it was during the showcases. Day, yeah. 
And I have never, to this day, I've watched a lot of showcases. I've never seen anybody turn a showcase around in your favor the way you did by yelling at them. <laughs> I know. See that? <laughs> you basically said, my kids are probably listening, but you said, what the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> and you yeah. said, just, these are jokes. People laugh. This, this is what I'm doing. And you... You made them pay attention. You made them get on board. And I feel like that's what a really good comedian can do. Granted, I would never tell any of my comics in the future oh, no, to do that. But you pulled it <laughs> off with such a way that I was dying in the back. And it just, it worked. You And that comes with the, I guess, the, the knowledge and the time under your belt of doing stand-up for so long to be able to pivot and, and make them... Hey, listen. Oh, I think I got lucky, Chuck, because I remember saying, you guys just left your parents' homes and you want me to treat you like an adult, then you're going to have to laugh at adult shit. I remember getting real deep on them. <laughs> I don't even remember that. I was probably laughing too and much. That's because I was just, you know, you have to travel to this thing. You have to pay to get in. You have to pay for your own hotel, all this stuff. And I'm like, son of a bitch, what is happening right now? I do remember that. And it was really fun because uh, then you, after the showcase – you have to sit in a booth and uh, and then the kids come by and they decide whether they want to book you or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And they say hello and they grab a button or whatever it is. And I had a lot of people comment on the, well, uh, that started off weird and then it got weirder and then we really liked it. <laughs> and then are you open April 12th? Yeah, exactly. Can we block you? <laughs> And that's all that matters from my point of view. Like, okay, right. he's available. Yep, we'll absolutely. Line him up. <laughs> that was so amazing. Um, do you have any uh, pre-show routines or superstitions for your? No, I mean, no. I see some people doing push-ups and shadow boxing, and that just makes me laugh real hard. I, I kind of just like hanging out, and uh, you know, there is probably when the host goes back on to bring you up that's when you can kind of you can feel the energy starting to get inside because you can't go up there dead you can't go up there deflated you have to go on and the the crowd is going to feed off of your energy initially and then when they're energized then you can feed off of them it's kind of like a kind of like a reverse uh energy suck but um yeah so probably just 15 seconds when the host is back up there that's when i really start kind of feeling the energy otherwise i just sit and hang out and talk and i've been doing it like i said 22 years so do you still get nervous i don't i bet i will i bet i will on these shows coming up though yeah i bet i I don't know if it'll be nervous but it'll be something i haven't felt in a while i would well it's different you've got to retrain your brain and think differently now when you go up there and and not interact in the way you did before and I have to learn how to. I have to learn how to exhale for forty-five straight minutes. Right. Make sure I'm not ingesting droplets. Well, I'm, I'm visualizing <laughs> like you know, like some drum drummers where they have the uh, the the glass kit in front of them for whatever reason. I guess Ooh. maybe you just have that. Um, put that in your writer. <laughs> or like I've always wa- wonder why they had those. Anyways, are they afraid people are going to throw bottles at them? Like. You know what I'm that's talking a, about? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's a great question. I don't know what that would be because no, it's, it's not for only sound related. I don't know. We'd have to we'd have to talk to a drummer on that. Well, one. yeah, that's a whole different podcast, I guess. But you mentioned uh, um, shadow boxing, which let me think of uh, locker box. Um, so no, I, I follow you on the on the social, and uh, it's that Chad Daniels at uh, Twitter and on uh, Instagram. Now. I, you know, I know your comedy and I know, like you mentioned, that you try to stay current. You're always writing new stuff. And do you, I mean, do you get tired of people doing the callbacks to those old bits? Because I see that. I see uh, often that people say, have you punched your kid yet? That, sure. I mean, because you had a very famous bit about punching your kid when he turned uh, 18. 18 yeah. yeah. No, it, it certainly doesn't bother me. It's uh, it's. I think it's really complimentary that people are are listening to it. You know, when you start comedy, you just want to be able to get on stage regularly at an open mic, right? right? And so to get to a point where someone that you really haven't met knows a story that you told, I mean, that's a big commitment to to listen to a story. I mean, to take the time to listen to another human being talk. People talk so much. 
And if people take the time to listen to you talk, I think that's uh, that's really cool. So that kind of stuff will never, ever bug me. I, I love it, actually. Yeah. Well, I guess as a as as a true fan that I I know that that bit's old and whatever. And you just said he's almost 21. And you're like, right. All right, stop. We get it. But maybe like you said, maybe they're just discovering you for the first time. And yeah, absolutely. That could be. And it's it's uh, it's kind of a, a marker then, because that was on Footprints on the Moon, that bit. And then my next uh, hour, Dad Chaniels, I talked about the locker boxing, which explains the end of that story when he turned 18, what happened on his 18th birthday. Right. And so when people, when people write, hey, did you punch your son yet? It's actually a great thing I can go, hey, make sure you watch Dad Chaniels because all the answers are right there. Maybe you should just hire somebody to, I know you don't have time to do this, but just hire somebody for your media, social media, to just do that. Link all those bits for the old bits in, into the oh, responses. That, yeah, that would be great. Um, maybe I should, well. Hire your daughter to do it, I guess. That's a good idea. Someone, yeah, someone younger yeah, right? than me. Right? I mean, sure. just to, every time, refer back to that or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, but idea. Footprints on the Moon was definitely, I mean, I don't listen to a lot of comedy albums. Um, but I did listen to that one and I've listened to that numerous times and it is, is my favorite of yours. Oh, thanks. I feel like that's one of those good classic albums like that has so many hits. It's like, uh, what's the uh, Def Leppard hysteria album, whatever that had like nine number one hits. I feel like <laughs> that's your hysteria, I guess that you just knocked it out of the park from beginning to end. Like if it was an album, I wouldn't skip through any of the bits. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, like I said, that was definitely the momentum change for me. And, uh, you know, that was like in a, in a time in my life where my daughter was just becoming a teenager and my son was uh, kind of ending his teenage years. And so it was that perfect time to talk about those, you know, different times in a kid's life and what it's like being a dad for uh, a male that's 17, a female that's 13. And I always talked about, I try my hardest to parent them the same because I don't think it's fair to have all these rules because, you know, my daughter and let my son skate on everything because he's a guy. So I tried my hardest to do that. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it was a complete failure, but it made for great bits. So no, it's whatever you're doing, it seems to be working. So, well, right now I'm on vacation. And that is, is that what you're calling it? Vacation? Yep, absolutely. (laughs) A forced vacation. Uh (laughs) Did you try and get any of that uh, free government money that they're passing around? No, I I don't. uh, I didn't. I uh, maybe I should have. But um, I just worry about all the comedians that are out. I mean, um, I know that you're doing well for yourself, but uh, there's a lot of comedians that are struggling out there. And and come July 31st, that. Right. CARES package uh, extra funding is gone. So, yeah. And that's why I didn't do it. Now, again, if we're talking about September and all the experts are right, I don't know what's going to happen if they're going to have to reopen the stimulus package or come up with another one because people could be out of work again. We don't know. But um, I hope that I hope that the comedians and everyone, you know, small businesses, I hope they got their loans I hope they uh, dotted all their I's and crossed all their T's and got as much money as they possibly could because this is, you know, it's a nightmare yeah. for some people and it's uh, it's tough. So I, I do hope that uh, everybody got the money they deserved. Yeah, I hope so as well. Um, and I hope uh, they find something to fix this. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> I hope they come up. I hope they find that milk chocolate fixes it. That could honestly be why I haven't had it yet. If we just walk around with Hershey She's kisses in our pocket, a day. yes, of course. <laughs> Wait, uh, so I recently saw you on uh, Kelsey Cook's, uh, um, uh, what oh, is the it? Wrist, wrist of Fury. Wrist of Fury. Yep. She's one of my clients. So you think I'd remember that show, but uh, she's great. And uh, I saw you on there and, and she referred uh, to you, what the, what's the uh, milk tits? or Cookies and cream tits. Oh, cookies and cream tits. Did I, yeah, I, we, I, we named that on my podcast because okay. I eat a lot of ice cream and I have, uh, well, I've gained weight just because I'm getting older and I eat ice cream. That's what happens when you stop exercising. And so we call one of my tits cookies and one of my tits uh, cream. Okay. And uh, I had a, it was so funny because I love uh, Haagen-Dazs ice cream. And a guy came to a show in Kansas City and he had taped to his chest 
two cookies and cream Haagen-Dazs empty pints as a bra. It looked like Madonna in the 90s when she used to wear those cone tip right. bras. The cone points. Oh, my gosh. I laughed so hard at that. That was so funny to me. And um, Did yeah, you sitting in the front row, just like just looking at you laughing? The, yeah, yeah. Like, and then... And then I didn't notice him right away. So I turned, I was saying something to someone way to the left and uh, he ends up just like poking his boobs out a little bit. And I saw him and then I dropped the microphone. I was laughing so hard. I just sat and laughed and then people were like, what's happening right now? <laughs> oh, it was great. Oh, that's funny. Uh, so what you just told the story on your podcast, so that's how it's become. Yeah, that's how it's become. So yeah, Kelsey, Kelsey um, has been on the podcast and She's a fan of the podcast. So when I went on Rissa Fury, which is she's a professional foosball player as well as an outstanding comedian. Um, and so she has a, a, I guess, a web series. It's called. There you go, Chad. Nice, nice grab out of your dead brain right now. Uh, when you texted me, you're like, hey, do you want to do this thing July 6th? And I go, yeah, I'm open. But that doesn't mean I'm still not going to be brain dead from July 4th. <laughs> Uh, so it's a web series about foosball. She plays people in foosball. And then if they lose, they have to do something ridiculous. I had to drink a cookies and cream, a vegan cookies and cream milkshake with ranch and Jack Daniels in it, uh, which was absolutely absurd. Uh, but it's a great series. If you guys want to check something out, Kelsey yeah. Cook, Ritz of Fury, you should watch all of it. She it's is really so good. She has some great people beside yourself. Uh, I think a new one was just released today. I started watching a bit. And uh, Brian Regan's on there uh, yeah. for one. Yeah. She uh, really pulled some talent on that show. Yeah, it's great. And um, she, she did her first NACA college conference for me in the fall. Okay. And I rented a foosball table for the booth and had it. Oh, my gosh. So when she showed up. Uh, we did a, you know, she showcased and then I, I said, hey, if you can nice. beat her, we'll give you a free T-shirt. We didn't give away any T-shirts. Oh, I bet not. She, she, yeah. Some somebody almost or somebody got close. We just did it like, like to three and somebody got like two on her and she was sweating it. She was pissed. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm losing. She's very competitive. So. Oh, she's extremely competitive. It was really fun to do that show. <laughs> Who? Uh, so. If you could, uh, I guess, work with anybody that you haven't worked with already, um, whether opening for them or just on a, on a show, who would you work with? I would work with Eddie Murphy. Okay. If he, if he ever went and toured again, only because Delirious, the special where he's in the red leather suit, mm -hmm. that's the first comedy uh, I ever saw, like first long form comedy that I ever saw. And I had to army crawl out of my bedroom and I was up against my dad's recliner and my mom was over here on the couch. So she couldn't see me. And I was like looking underneath his reclined feet and watching. And I was having a heart attack. And I remember waking up. It was summer. And I remember waking up as soon as my parents went to work because I knew they hadn't returned it yet. So I went out and I must have watched it Is all it day long. Oh, yep. Over and over and over. I watched that thing. And then I'd ride around on my bike quoting it and people would be like, what are you talking about? But it was, man, it was such a funny special. And to see someone that young just murdering, I mean, an entire theater of people, unbelievable. Do you think he, I mean, there was kind of rumors of him coming back, right? That's what I had heard, yeah. And then, you know, this, again, COVID kind of put a pin in everything. So I, I don't know if that's the reason, but I, I would imagine he was going to have to do clubs get the material ready and then do a theater tour. And I absolutely would have bought tickets to that. Yeah. I hadn't heard of any, I, I'm sure we would have heard if he had entered a club to start doing right. some, some sets, but yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I did not uh, hear of any of that, but you know, I've yeah. heard, and I think it's, I think Dave Chappelle said it, but Eddie Murphy, no matter what room he's in, it doesn't matter who's in there with him. He's the funniest person in the room. You know, I can and that, imagine that, and that's a huge compliment coming from Chappelle. So would, would you ever uh, say most comedians that I know, like it's in their blood and they'll never give it up. And he was one of the few standups that, you know, it just kind of paused it. Or I don't know if he mm -hmm. ever said he officially retired from standup, but he just stopped doing it. So right. do you see yourself retiring at some point? Or... Well, I've been retired for four months, so we'll see how it goes. But no, I, uh, you know, I, you know what I'm... I mean? Like longevity, yeah. do you feel like you could just do this? um until you're 70 or do you feel like you're going to get to a point where like hey i've done it let the younger kids do this uh, 
Or, I don't. I don't think it would be step out of the way to let younger people do it. I think I've always said to my, you know my rule is if I start hurting stand up comedy in any way, I'm out because I've just loved it for so long and I respect it so much. So if I start to not try, not come up with new material, you know, and anything that could possibly hurt the reputation of stand up comedy, I'm out. So like, like if you just felt like you just started just phoning it in type scenario, absolutely. Like, yeah. Like, hey, just not fun anymore. I mean, I yep. assume it's still fun. Well, I love it. It's, it's yeah. just, it's such an interesting, um, it's almost like a puzzle when you're, when you're working on a joke to find out the best version of what you want to say. I mean, you can move a word from the middle to the end or vice versa. And it goes from a laugh to an applause break just because you found you needed to move one word. I just think it's so fun and it's so mentally stimulating that I just, I love it. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've been a little brain dead. I can feel myself getting dumber during these four months. My kids will ask me something and I will be searching for a word like at web series. Remember when it took me a while? Uh, bidet, I do it, bidet. So, uh, Internet. I, I, yeah, I, I hope to get back on there soon uh, on the road. I'm, and I hope that, uh, you know, it's, it's healthy and safe for everybody. Do you think that your first time out, you're going to be a little rusty? I know I'm going to be a little rusty, but I do think that's going to be fun too, because I don't like making fun of anyone as much as I like making fun of myself. So that should be an interesting show to just watch me have a complete mental breakdown and maybe a stroke. We don't know. I hope you film that so the world can see. <laughs> <laughs> this This is like a preview of what's about to unfold, I guess. Yeah, when you see me go out in December on the road and my left side doesn't work, it's because of July 21st in St. Louis. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh-huh. Oh, man. So, Chad, man, I love you. I'm so happy you I came love on you right this. Back. This is uh, called the check drop, and this is the point of the show. You know, when you're in a club, uh, they start dropping the checks, and and uh, you had to start wrapping it up. So, so what? Oh, can, uh, I, can I tell you a quick story about a check drop? Absolutely, that's what this is for. This, okay. The check drop is whatever you want to talk about, whatever okay. you want to plug, a good story in the comedy world. So, so I was auditioning for. I had done um, just for laughs comedy festival in Montreal, right? Everyone calls it Montreal Comedy Festival. Yep. And it is like it, the biggest, it's the biggest one where all of the industry goes to try to, that's actually where I signed with you guys. My yep. manager, John McDonald had a meeting with you guys and decided to move me over to you guys. So, um, so I'm auditioning. I, I did new faces, which is when you go up there and nobody has any idea who you are and you try to get an agent and a manager and blah, blah, blah. Cut to four years later, I was auditioning for the master's show. And I had, I went out, it was the last audition. I went out to New York city and they put me up during the check drop. Right. And so I thought, obviously they don't want me in just for laughs this year. All I'm going to do is do my set and get out of here. So I did my set without spazzing or yelling at anybody. Just a quick, like four minute set. I got off stage, which is hard for you to do. I know it is, especially during a check drop when no one's listening. So the guy comes up to me afterwards and he goes, congratulations, you're in. And I go, what? And he goes, we put you specifically during the check drop to see if you would spaz out because we remember it new faces when you yelled at the crowd for being French and you were in French Canada. So he goes, we just wanted to make sure you could do a set without spazzing out. And I go, okay. And then I ended up spazzing out when I got up there anyways, but still, that's not the point. And then they were saying... Hey, we saw you at a NACA conference too. Once I was spazzing out. <laughs> yeah. It's like strike two. Let's see. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Um, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. Absolutely. I hope Nothing but continued, well continued success for you and uh, stay uh, healthy and good luck getting back on the road, man. I, well, I, I don't I, envy that aspect of, uh, of, what's about to unfold for you. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Good luck with everything on your end and uh, congrats to your boy for graduating. That's awesome. Oh, thanks. All right. And if you're listening online or at home or wherever, um, check out summitcomedy.com if you need a comedian for any event, whether it's live in person or now virtual. So right. uh, yeah, hit us up. All right. Everybody, thanks very much. Good to see you. You, man. You bet, man. Have a good evening. You too.